This morning for a message, I want to consider the thought of what shall I give him? What shall I give him? Now this message I had mostly prepared for last Sunday, and as you know, I wasn't able to preach, and so I thought I would just share what I had prepared for last Sunday. No, it's not Christmas Sunday, but you know, we're, we're going into a new year. Today's the first day of 2017, and I thought it may be good for us to consider on the first day of the year of what shall I give him. I thought that would be a good thought to start out the year with. And so I want to begin with a story. It's a true story. But several years ago, about this time of year, I went to visit a former neighbor. And for a Christmas gift, I took them a package of fresh pork chops. And so I go over to my neighbor's house. He invites me in. We sit down at the kitchen table and we begin to visit. In the meantime, the wife gets home from work. And so now there's three of us sitting around the kitchen table visiting. And so we visit and we had a good time together and soon it's time for me to leave. And so at that point I said, hey, I brought you a little Christmas gift. Uh, we just butchered a pig and I brought you a package of fresh pork chops. Merry Christmas. Well, as you can imagine, they liked the gift. But what happened next is what amused me. It amused me and it also blessed me. But after I had given my gift, the wife immediately starts looking around the kitchen. She just starts looking around the kitchen. And she gets up and she goes over to the counter, the kitchen counter, and gets a bag of oranges. She brings them back and hands them to me and says, here, I got this bag of oranges for your family. Merry Christmas. And I was like, well, thanks. Uh, th this is very nice. You, you didn't have to do that, but yeah, this is nice. We'll enjoy these. Now, I'm about 100% sure that when the oranges were originally purchased, the Martin family was not in mind. The Martin family was not in focus. But you see, I had given a gift, a gift that was appreciated. Immediately, my neighbor felt the need or felt an obligation to give something back. And so the bag of oranges came to the rescue. In the spur of the moment, the bag of oranges became a gift for the Martin family. And yes, our family appreciated those oranges. They were good, as I recall. But I share this story because our world has just finished celebrating the greatest gift that has ever been given. And that gift, we know, is Jesus Christ. And so I wonder, and you may wonder, of all the millions that have celebrated the birth of Jesus, how many have considered the thought of giving something back to God? The Bible says in Isaiah 9, verse 6, 
And I welcome you to turn there. I want to look at this verse for just a minute. This is prophecy concerning the coming Messiah, a very familiar verse. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so the gift has been given unto us, it says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Did you notice the words that describe his name? Wonderful, counselor. You know, we like name brand things, don't we? I like my red winged shoes. I like my Carhartt coat, and on and on. But we have a name brand gift given unto us. Wonderful, counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so, as we have celebrated the gift that has been given unto us, Jesus Christ, isn't it only reasonable that we should consider the thought of what shall I give him? I'm sure you have people in your life that are hard to buy gifts for. A person that you are obligated to give a gift, and every year it's a struggle shopping for that person. Either they have peculiar taste or they have everything. For an example, you have a $50 gift budget, and everything in that price range they already have. And if they don't have it, you hardly know what to buy because will it be the right brand? Will it be the right whatever? Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know people like that? I'm sure somebody popped right into your mind. And so the question is, what can I give to God? Or what can I bring to God that he doesn't already own? or already have. Imagine with me for a few minutes, imagine with me Christmas shopping for God. And so the question is, what shall I give to God this year? And so I look around. I look around my property. I have cows. Maybe I should give God my best cow. I mean, certainly God would be pleased with a beautiful Hereford cow. But there is a problem with the cow gift. Turn to Psalm 50, verse 10. Psalm 50, verse 10 says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. You see... God already owns my cows. In fact, it says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. 
And so it looks like the cow idea is not going to work. So what shall I give him? So what should I give God this year? I'll tell you what I'll give him. I will give him half of my savings account. Now that will certainly please God because God knows how hard I worked to save that money. Maybe I can do that. But again, there is a problem with the money gift. We find that in Haggai 2 verse 8. Haggai 2 verse 8 says, The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. You see, God already owns my money. In fact, he owns all the silver and gold in the world. And so the half of my savings idea isn't going to work. In fact, according to Psalm 24 verse 1, I'm going to have to come up with something other than possessions. Because Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. So what can I give him? What can I give him? Well, here's another idea. This coming year, I'm going to give the gift of good deeds. I'm going to help elderly people in the community. I'm going to volunteer at the hospital. I'm going to adopt two miles of highway and keep it all nice and clean. I'm going to be the volunteer of the year. Now certainly God would be pleased with the gift of good deeds. Again, there is a problem with this gift. According to 1 Corinthians 13 verse 3, good deeds in themselves profit me nothing. In fact, Isaiah 64 verse 6, if you would like to turn there, talks about our righteousness and ourselves and how that looks to God. Isaiah 64 6, but we are all as an unclean thing. And listen to this, and all our righteousness let me try again. And all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we are, and we do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. That's quite a picture of our righteousness. And so, what can I bring him? What can I give to God who owns all the gold and silver? and the cattle on a thousand hills. There is only one gift that you and I can give to God. A gift that he doesn't have until we give it to him. And that gift is ourselves. The gift of self. God, I give myself to you. I'd like for you to turn to Psalm 116. Psalm 116. In verse 12, 
of Psalm 116, we find the psalmist considering the same question that we are considering today. What shall I render, or what shall I give unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? What shall I give? That sounds like our question this morning. Well, we want to notice how the psalmist answers the question in verse 12. And so I will read 12 through the end of the chapter at this time. Psalm 116, verse 12. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. Many of you have a Bible with chapter headings. The heading for chapter 116 may say something like, A Psalm of Thanksgiving for Deliverance unto Death, or from Death, or something similar. The author of this psalm is debated. It'd be interesting to know what your Bibles say on that. Some believe this is a song of praise from King Hezekiah after God graciously added 15 years to his life. I can see that as I read down through the psalm. But others believe that this is a psalm of praise from David after the occasion of Saul coming to the mouth of the cave in which David laid hidden. And I can see that. It could be either one. Whoever the author may be, in this psalm we find the answer to the question of what shall I give him. I have three points that I want to consider. The first point is, what shall I give unto the Lord? I will give him myself and receive his salvation. Verse 13, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will take the cup of salvation or, or I will accept the abundance of salvation. The cup speaks of abundance that is found in Jesus Christ. If you want to do an interesting study, you can go back through and look at the uh, drink offering that were made in the Old Testament. This is what this cup of salvation is pointing to, but it also points ahead to the abundance of salvation that is found in Jesus Christ. We give to God when we personally receive his gift, the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And so I will take the cup of salvation, or I will give myself in receiving his salvation. 
and call upon the name of the Lord, which simply means I will acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. And so the question is, what shall I give unto the Lord? The answer is simply, I will give him myself and receive his salvation. You know, this first point is so foundational. Before we can give anything unto the Lord that will bring him glory, we must first give him myself, my heart, and by faith receive his salvation. Point number two, what shall I give unto the Lord? I shall give myself in service. Verse 16, O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. Think with me for a minute. What does a servant do? What does an employee do? Or what should he do? Well, a servant or an employee, he gives time. He gives energy. He gives talents. Our, and then think with me, what does a servant of God do? Well, he does the same thing. Just like an employee or a servant, on this earth he gives time, he gives energy, he gives talent. Our selfish human tendency is to say, it's my time, it's my talent, it's my money. I will spend my energy on myself and my projects. The person that says, oh Lord, truly I am thy servant, recognizes that they owe the gift of self to God. God, I give myself to you, time, talent, energy, money. God, all of these things you gave to me, I now humbly give them back to you. The remainder of verse 16, I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid, Thou hast loosed my bonds. This is Old Testament language, and I will try to explain it. The son of thine handmaid, or one born into your house of a woman who is already thy property. I am a servant, a son of a servant, made free by thy kindness. And so... What the psalmist is saying is, I am a free servant. I am free to leave, but of my own choice, I will stay and serve you forever. O oh Lord, truly I am thine servant. In fact, from what I understand, this servant here would be willing to have suffered his ear to be bored to the doorpost as a proof that by his own consent he agreed to continue in his master's house forever. And you can read about that in Exodus 21, 1 through 6. As I said earlier, 
There is only one gift that you and I can give to God, a gift that he doesn't have until we give it to him, and that gift is ourself. O oh Lord, truly I am thy servant. As I thought about this point, I had to think, what better title could we have than a servant of God? What better title could you have than a servant of God? You know, we looked at our Sunday school lesson this morning, and, and uh, we looked at the 70 being sent out, and, and that looks, it looked, if I would have been one of them 70, I would have been a little anxious about that assignment, and I think you would have too. But they came back from that assignment full of joy. And so can we. You know, a person, an individual that lives with an attitude of, oh Lord, truly I am thy servant, is going to be a happy person. People try to find happiness in so many other ways than giving. Let's go on to point three. What shall I give unto the Lord? A sacrifice of thanksgiving. I will give unto the Lord a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Verse 17, and I also want to look at verse 18. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. I will offer to thee a sacrifice of thanksgiving. First of all, what is a sacrifice of thanksgiving? Turn to Psalm 51, verse 17. Psalm 51, verse 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. A broken and contrite heart. The word contrite has the thought of collapsed. Do you get the picture? A sacrifice of thanksgiving is a response of humble gratitude and love from the heart. It's not just an outward expression. It may be an outward expression, but it's coming from inside. It's coming from a broken and contrite heart. <clears throat> Throughout time, men have brought gifts to God with a heart that is void of gratitude and love. I thought of Cain. 
You know, Cain felt an obligation to bring God an offering. And so he brought God the gift of vegetables. We don't know Cain's motives exactly. Was he trying to copy Abel? I don't know. But we do know that God was not pleased with Cain's gift. Was the problem the vegetables themselves, the gift of vegetables? No, that was not the problem. The problem was the condition of Cain's heart. 1 John 3 tells us that Cain's own works were evil and his brother's righteous. You see, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. So now we understand that a sacrifice of thanksgiving is a response of humble gratitude and love from the heart. So now let's consider how this gift is lived out. What does it look like in everyday life? I thought of Saul. Saul is another example of a man who gave a gift or a sacrifice of thanksgiving only to have it rejected by God. In 1 Samuel 15, God gave Saul the command to go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them. Both kill men and women, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. And so Saul went out to battle. However, he did not obey God's instructions. He about half listened. 1 Samuel 15 verse 9, but Samuel and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. Now as you know, that was not God's instructions. And so after returning from battle, Saul, he's back home. He begins to feel an obligation to sacrifice to the Lord. Even though he didn't obey, God gave him victory. That often wasn't the case, but it was in this, this situation. And so he begins to sacrifice the very animals that God told him to destroy. God was not pleased with, with those sacrifices. God spoke to Samuel. He told him to go over there to where Saul was sacrificing. Samuel arrives. He begins to ask questions. And Saul tries to justify himself. The people, he says. You know, it was the people. Well... After a lengthy discussion, Samuel said these words to Saul in 1 Samuel 15, 22. Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. You know, I'm sure this great sacrifice was a very impressive sight. 
I imagine that they were sacrificing many animals at one time. There was probably a huge cloud of smoke drifting out over the land from this great sacrifice. However, the message was to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than giving gifts and to hearken than the fat of rams. And so I believe we could say that a sacrifice of thanksgiving is simply being obedient to God and his word. I find it interesting that Jesus confirmed Samuel's words in Mark 12, 33. And I don't know if I knew that till just recently in this study. But Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verse 33, he, the scribes came to him and they wanted to know which was the first and the greatest commandment. But Jesus said that the first and the greatest commandment is to love God with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength and to love his neighbor as himself. And then he says this, is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices, which according to my Bible, he's referring back to Samuel's words to Saul. And so we have learned that a sacrifice of thanksgiving is a response of humble gratitude and love from the heart. And that love for God and obedience to God must always precede the sacrifice or the gift. I want to consider now verse 14 and verse 18. They both read the same. Psalm 116. But they both say, I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Both of these verses, the first verse comes after the response of the cup of salvation. Verse 18, after the sacrifice of thanksgiving. How do we pay our vows? What does that look like? How do we accomplish paying our vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. I invite you to Romans 12 verse 1. Romans 12 verse 1 we see that we pay our vows before the Lord now when we present our bodies as a living sacrifice Romans 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You see, the sacrifice of thanksgiving is more than looking up into heaven and just saying, thank you, God. It's more than just nice words coming off our lips. 
The sacrifice of thanksgiving according to this verse is presenting your bodies a living sacrifice. The gift of thanksgiving is alive. It's something that is working. A living sacrifice, holy, is something that God finds acceptable. And it tells us that it is our reasonable service to live in such a way. The last part of verse 18 and also verse 14 talks about, uh, the first part says, I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. How do we pay our vows in the presence of all his people? If you would, you can turn to Hebrews 13, verse 15 and 16. As we think of this gift of thanksgiving, this sacrifice of thanksgiving, and then thanking now of presenting that to God and living that out for him in the presence of all the people. I, I like Hebrews 13 and 15, I think, uh, Hebrews 13, 15, and 16, I think it gives us a picture of what it looks like when we work out the gift, or it's a picture of the gift of thanksgiving working itself out. By him, therefore, Hebrews 13, 15, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now look at verse 16. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And the word communicate here uh, has the thought, uh, and to communicate, forget not, it has the thought of, of don't forget to share. And don't forget to share as a fellowship is the thought there. And I believe this is a picture of the gift of thanksgiving that we bring to God. This is a picture of that gift working itself out among the presence of all his people. Praise to God continually, giving thanks, doing good, sharing. These are beautiful expressions of a sacrifice of thanksgiving. These expressions are gifts that we can bring to God, gifts that will bring praise and glory to his name. Well, today is January 1, 2017. A brand new year lays before us. The question before us today is what shall I give him? Or maybe we should ask what will I give him? In 2017, what is your plan? What will you render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards you. I want to close with a little simple 
children's poem, but I want you to take it and think about it this week. But the title is, What Can I Give Him? What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring him a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? I'll give him my heart. We'll call for a closing song.